Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special episode of The Space Show Show, the end of an era. I am your host, Rebecca Frost, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined by Admiral Kerry Jackson. And today Hi. we are talking about the last original series movie, the movie that killed Gene Roddenberry, it 1991's did, <laughs> Star Trek The Final Frontier. Uh, good riddance. Uh, it would this movie absolutely did kill gene roddenberry like he, he watched the final cut of it and then died two days later really yeah oh <laughs> or I, I don't think he watched the final cut he i think he actually watched a rough cut and uh oh wow yeah and, and it, so at the beginning it says for gene roddenberry right mm -hmm. yeah. it does and, and i was like oh shit did he did he die and you had to look you looked it up and there it was I had to look it up yeah he mm -hmm. had watched he uh what's his name uh, nicholas meyer showed him a rough cut uh and only as an obligation to fulfill gene roddenberry's role as as executive as like a creative consultant mm -hmm. um but roddenberry was bound to a wheelchair was an extremely fail like failing health <laughs> did he did he was he in a wheelchair with a bell like that guy in breaking bad and yeah. everything everything he <laughs> Every hated time. And through the whole movie, he's like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> too much acknowledgement of racism. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and uh, Roddenberry had a lot of demands of cuts that were to be made. Um, and th they had a heated argument, apparently. Um, and then he died two days later. And Nicholas Maybe. Meyer ex expressed deep regret over his behavior in that meeting. Um, and that's <laughs> do you think nick meyer thinks he killed gene roddenberry i, I mean, kind of wonder he knows like... <laughs> he knows gene had cancer right i mean you know his organs were rising up and trying to kill him you know he said that he did not realize just how sick roddenberry was but was if well. it if it were me i would absolutely be living with the guilt that i killed gene roddenberry or the pride depending on who you are <laughs> <laughs> But Star, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, on the eve of retirement, Kirk and McCoy are charged with assassinating the Klingon High Chancellor and imprisoned. The Enterprise crew must help them escape to thwart a conspiracy aimed at sabotaging the last best hope for peace. And you were not kidding. What a courtroom movie. Yes! Um, I could, <laughs> about halfway through this movie, I could only imagine sitting in a theater in 1991 and going, where's the action? <laughs> I didn't care. I was sitting in that theater in 1991, loving every moment of this movie. People say that uh, four is the best of this of this six. I think mm. this one is the best, honestly. Really, that's an interesting choice. Um, yeah. I would disagree. I would disagree. Um, I think we can talk. We can talk about it after. But it's just it's just by it's just slightly better than four. Just tiny bits. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Yeah, like not like truly an action of the mind movie. There's really no spaceship porn to be seen. There's no real fight action explosion scenes. Um, it's all just heated debates about racism and peace, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I went into this one because this one's directed by Nicholas Meyer. Not uh, I can't remember who wrote it. I can't remember if it was him as well. I um, think Nimoy had some input on it because uh because the 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 whole analogy of this film is uh the russians the cold uh, war yes the cold war and that's uh, something that nimoy brought up he said you know that at the time 
the Russians were their own worst enemy and communism was falling and, you know, that whole thing. And, and so they used it as an analogy, as they always did with the Klingons, the Russians, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, screenplay by Nicholas Meyer and Denny Martin Flynn. Leonard Nimoy did help with the story. Mm-hmm. So uh, he did have some help there. But I, I went into this movie kind of thinking, okay, now let's do a silly one, right? Like Leonard Nimoy had just wrapped up his trilogy, which I'm considering it his trilogy. And then Mm -hmm. William Shatner got to do his. And now to wrap it all up in a shiny bow, I went in with the attitude of, okay, now let's do a silly one. Nicholas Meyer is in charge of of this one. And uh, not... mm, not at all a silly one. No, no, no. <laughs> kind it's, of this an is, interesting. This is some heavy, yeah. uh, you know, political drama and uh, whodunit and uh, a little Manchurian candidate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of that in there. Uh, you know, some nice Cold War analogy and uh, Shakespeare and uh, the best the oh, best Klingon ever in my I have life some thoughts about the the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's get on into it all in right. case you forgot. The United Federation of Planets, they've been in conflict with the Klingon Empire forever, forever. Um, and on its way back to Earth, the Excelsior, captained by Captain Sulu, witnesses a huge explosion on the Klingon moon Praxis, which is a key energy production facility. Um, Captain Sulu notifies Starfleet about this whole deal. Um, we also see the return of Janus. She shows up doing a job. She has job now. She, she actually has job. gets. She actually gets to sit and do something. Um, and also, since you're oh, a Janice, in... Janice fan, look, I went through my stuff. A little Janice Lego. And I found my my little Janice uh, mini mate. Yeah. Look at that beehive. Oh, look at that hair and that that's some. That's gorgeous, honestly. <laughs> um, I didn't recognize her at first because I wasn't used to her sitting behind a desk, you know? Yes. Um, but also, Captain Sulu, one, man's always wanted to be on the Excelsior. He's been very vocal about always wanting to be on the Excelsior. Oh, I hope it's Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Captain Sulu, how co- I think he would be such an incredible captain to serve under. And now we have a little... Mini- shirtless shirtless sulu shirtless, sir- <laughs> lego not it's not a lego no it's mini mates i found my mini my star trek mini mates just yesterday so i'm very excited <laughs> to show them to you <laughs> um if you're not watching along and only listening you are missing out i highly suggest yes. going to youtube to watch carrie's toy show um anyway Turns out uh, Klingons really only have about 50 years of life left. Um, there's, th- because of this, you know, moon exploding, it's really impacted their atmosphere and they, mm-hmm. you know, they, their, their culture, their society, their existence is in, is yeah. in dire straits. The planet Kronos has a limited time. It's, it's just going to be an environmental nightmare for them. This is also a Chernobyl analogy as well. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, they said 50 years and I, <laughs> my prejudice was coming out and i went oh no that's too bad (laughs) (laughs) um so our friends of the enterprise they're all called into a meeting right and uh they're like oh where's spock and uh oh who else were they missing they were missing somebody else where's sulu oh he's the captain of the excelsior captain sulu that's right and then they sit down at their big meeting table going where's spock who knows well spock is leading this meeting and he's been negotiating with the Klingon Chancellor Gorkon to build peace. And his, his 
they're big. The the Klingons, not I mean, I'm sure not every Klingon is on board with peace, right? But the clean these Klingons are like, okay, we let's let's negotiate some peace because we uh, I hate to admit it, do need some help. Well, and, Gorkhan uh, certainly realized that there, a lot of the people around him were just not sure. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and who can blame them, right? They've had tensions with the Federation oh, yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, so Spock has been negoci- ne- negotiating with uh, <laughs> <laughs> negotiating, <laughs> And they have volunteered Kirk up as uh, the Federation's lead envoy. And if I were Kirk, I would be like, oh, uh, what? He's like, why me? He says, well, the Klingons really, they really fucking hate you. Okay. So this is our way of saying. They do not like me and I do not like them because something that was also not included in this movie, um, Dr. Carol Marcus recently passed. And so Kirk, he's revisiting a lot of his feelings surrounding the death of his son and his whole relationship with his son. So there are a few scenes where he's talking to a picture of david talking to david's headshot mm-hmm. <laughs> captain's <he's>, log <laughs> uh, pretending that he cared about david at all um and another thing too the enterprise is going to be decommissioned after this mission so kirk is like well damn i personally at this point in the movie thought this was some kind of operation from starfleet big starfleet um as a way to get rid of kirk because oh. um they if they send kirk the klingons either kill him which then proves that they are still hostile and you know set, you know sets the stage for how they should react next and whether or not they should help them mm-hmm. um but also uh it's it, i feel like it's just a way to get rid of kirk right and so that we don't i don't think kirk is supposed to come back from this at all and well as we them. as we find out <laughs> The people who sent him, who choose to send him, mm-hmm. were hoping that we'd get original series Kirk, who's going to stir some shit up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, not think, yeah, not, totally. Not thinking about the fact that we've got seasoned Kirk here. You know, he's he's been around the block a few times, a little bit more clear head, not so quickly to rush in. He's had some time to think about his actions and mm-hmm. take some deep breaths before he does anything. Yes. Um, but I, at this point in the movie, I was like, if this is an operation from big Starfleet, and if this is the time when Starfleet betrays me, I'm going to be devastated and I will never recover. <sighs> it's okay. It's not Starfleet as a whole. It's only individuals. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yes. <laughs> so Kirk <clears throat> has no choice but to just follow through with orders. And so they... The, they and the crew of the Enterprise, um, they go on to meet with Chancellor Gorkon and his whole crew, and they invite them over for dinner. And it's an awkward dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we meet General Chang, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> oh, my favorite Klingon. And and subsequently, I have a Christopher Plummer, General Chang oh, oh, oh. action figure here that I just Lovely. love. It's just so cool. Like That's one I will not get rid of. I just love it so much. Um, there's this, this, this whole dinner scene, I have never been more uncomfortable in my whole life because, <laughs> because it is, there's just so much overt racism, right? Kirk even has a conversation with Spock of like, man, I just really hate Klingons, right? <laughs> well, and, and. They even say it, Gorkin's daughter, you know, because Chekhov mm-hmm. says, uh, we believe that all beings have certain inalienable rights. He goes, listen to you, alienable, 
alien. Look at you. An alien Ugh. human rights. Yeah. Like human l- rights. Oy, oy, oy. Um, yeah. General Chang, he also very well-versed in Shakespeare, dropping Shakespeare quotes left and right, drops <laughs> drops another quote. I wish I could remember it specifically. And Shatner or Kirk uh, attributes it to Hitler. And he yeah. goes, no, <laughs> but you are proving our point. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's a great scene because Plummer is just such a good actor, even even as a Klingon. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. can do no wrong. He just, you know, this is uh, something about... Uh, I can't remember the quote either, but uh, Shatner immediately, Hitler, 19, 1934, or so, <laughs> takes a drink, and, and Chang is like, Nope. I beg your pardon? You're like, you want to start some shit? Let's go. You know? <laughs> uh, not quite, but you are proving our point. Um, oh, here it is. Um, Gen- he says, to be or not to be, that is the question which preoccupies our people, Captain Kirk. We need breathing room. And then Kirk we need says, breathing room. Earth, uh. Hitler, 1938. And Chang goes, I beg your pardon? Yeah. And Chancellor Gorkin <laughs> says, well, I see we have a long way to go. <laughs> Things just never change, do they? Well, it's, it's just, a, again, a perfect analogy because you've got these these." All these people at this table, all their lives have been taught, these guys are the enemy. Mm-hmm. They will always be the enemy. That from, from day one, you were taught that. And suddenly, mm-hmm. something as mind-boggling as a moon exploding, you know, changes the course of everything that you know. And you mm-hmm. realize, I have to reprogram my brain. I have to stop thinking this way i have to realize that reevaluate my prejudices exactly you know mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of the usa right now is is confronting right still forever still. and ever um i would love i if you're listening to this you probably know this but pair this movie with that episode of strange new worlds where they have the klingon ambassador come onto the ship and we yes. we get the story of chapels and mbenga's time during the klingon war and yes. ortegas too right like mm-hmm. ortegas is extremely prejudiced for i mean and she has her reasons right and so you know pair this movie with that episode i think that would be just a delicious delicious watch um mm, I'll take that i did and that. i forgot to mention also we get introduced to kim cattrall uh oh my god what's her name valeris valkris valeris valeris um if betty boop was a klingon uh i thought <laughs> she spoke a little too sexily but that's just my opinion um but i did like i actually liked her a lot in this movie yeah I thought she was well, a great addition. And it, it's uh, it's interesting because this they were thinking that this would be Savick. Maybe that would be Savick. And then, mm-hmm. then they realized, no, Savick wouldn't betray like that. That just wouldn't be in Savick's character. Let's make Never. it a new character. Mm-hmm. And let's make it a character that Spock has confidence in and has been grooming, or so he thinks. And he doesn't realize that right under his nose, she is not to be trusted. And she fooled him. And that's that's very upsetting but know. also so like spoiler alert when she is revealed to be one of the saboteurs towards the end um her actions make sense she even brings this up with spock earlier when they're in his quarters and she's like mm-hmm. don't you think like the federation has reached a turning point and we need to 
do something about it. And he's like, and he is very much like, it's not, not logical. We kind of just have to see where evolution takes us. And, you know, we should always mm -hmm. strive for peace. And she is just very much like, I don't know, man. And I can totally see her reasoning. I think she went about it a little aggressively. I mean, but... you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, she makes sense, but at the same mm -hmm. time, in a society, well, like, and, and especially her because she's, she's Vulcan, mm -hmm. um, at a time when we have been taught that our prejudices are often not, to, you know, they're not correct. You know, your racism is wrong. I'm surprised that someone as logical and even Federation members even mm -hmm. would, would be still as prejudiced. I would hope that something like a big event, like a Chernobyl, like a moon blowing up uh, would be, Oh, well, this changes everything. Maybe we all need to rethink, but they are enabled to, they are, they just can't. And that yeah, just shows would, us we're flawed biological carbon-based units, you know? You would think something like a genocide would make people step up, but <laughs> wow, crazy. Um, dinner ends. No more Romulan ale during diplomatic dinners because <laughs> yikes. do you think she actually okay now that I think about it because it's her it's Kim Cattrall who says we do have a we do have some Romulan ale do you <laughs> want some of that and even during dinner they say I thought Romulan ale was illegal, illegal or whatever and Kirk is like well that's the benefit of being so far away <laughs> yeah we're not anything. We're, we're not in Federation space we're in a you know we're in we're unclaimed near space. the neutral zone near the neutral um, zone so you know so they <laughs> dinner ends um they start to wrap it up but then rotro listen all y'all it's a sabotage for whatever reason the enterprise starts firing on the klingon ship and uh i don't feel like they reacted appropriately um i can understand why because they're like oh my god like we we would never fire mm -hmm. on a Klingon ship because yeah. like, whoa, why would we want to start an intergalactic war? It's the middle of the night. They're all hung over or drunk mm -hmm. and suddenly and this happens. Literally, and literally in the middle of negotiating peace. Yeah. Like why, why, why would they? Um, mm -hmm. And then one of the coolest sequences I think I've seen in a Star Trek movie um, as they're firing on the Klingon ship and they disable the gravity. And so suddenly we're all float, we're all floating through the ship, which Thank God somebody at least addressed that because we've never really addressed the concept of the gravity mm -hmm. feature on these ships. Those of us who have read the Enterprise engineering manuals, we're aware. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good read. I... <laughs> God. <laughs> Nerd. Okay. I know. <laughs> So these two assassins beam aboard and they start a bloodbath and their whole mission is to assassinate um, Chancellor Gorkon. Mm -hmm. um, and Klingons, much like me, bleed pink. <laughs> <laughs> They're just Barbie girls living in a Klingon mm -hmm. world, okay? That's right. Um, <laughs> I... I I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but um, Kirk and McCoy. Oh, I remember Kirk and McCoy beam aboard the Klingon ship. Because and McCoy, I th I always think it's so funny when McCoy kind of forces his way into these away missions <laughs> because they're like, we don't really, we don't really need well, you. No. He was he was needed because they said there were shots fired and wounded. So he's like, let me get over there and help. So he says that. He says that, but then when they get over there and they start trying to save Chancellor Gorkon, he says, I 
don't know nothing about Klingon anatomy. Then why did you come over, my guy? You, Everyone on this ship is a Klingon and you thought you could help when you just admitted you don't know anything about Klingon anatomy? <laughs> well, and you'd think that between that episode where, you know, uh, in the original series where McCoy had to have both both Spock and his dad in the sickbay, mm -hmm. and he admitted that he didn't know anything about Klingon anatomy then, or, or uh, Vulcan anatomy. You'd think he'd go, you know, maybe I should learn some shit. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I mm -hmm. should learn some Vulcan anatomy and some Klingon anatomy. But why that's not? but that's also why they brought Mbenga on board because Mbenga had um, history and knowledge of Vulcan anatomy, and mm -hmm. so that's why they brought him aboard. Yep. Um, so Chancellor Gorkon dies. Rot row. Um, and uh, the Klingons not super jazzed about the whole ordeal and thus begins the big they they arrest air quotes arrest Kirk and McCoy and put them on trial for the murder of Chancellor Gorkon mm -hmm. and it's a very it's a very one-sided trial um well yeah that's your Klingon trial system Klingon trials <laughs> but also like I can kind of see some similarities to <laughs> the US court system just throwing it out there. Speaking of seeing similarities, did you recognize the defense attorney? Michael Dorn makes an appearance as Grandpa Worf. Grandpa Worf. <laughs> he's not Moog. He's the father of Moog. Uh, which I per I loved loved to see it. Uh, I I think there's other actors out there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we wouldn't have known right away though. But we would, yeah. Who who? Next generation hadn't even come out yet, so I, whatever, it's fine. Michael Dorn, a true treasure. Um, unrelated. I did just get to the part in Patrick Stewart's memoir <laughs> where he is talking about how. Because a lot of his memoir is focused on his like acting and how much he loves acting and his experience of being brought up as an actor and training as an mm -hmm. actor. And um, he talked about the during the first season of Next Gen, they were about halfway through the first season and he sits all of the main players down and he's like, we need to be serious, you guys. We lack discipline. We need to be more serious. And everyone just laughed at him. <laughs> and he doubled down and was like, I'm so serious right now. And then Denise Crosby sits him down and is like, you have got to chill out and really taught because you know he's coming from this theater background where everyone is very serious and like mm -hmm. it's a very serious discipline and you know moving to tv where they're not sure if they're going to be renewed after this or not and he's like we just need to be taking it very seriously to then you know go through the transformation of um hey maybe chill out and have fun and he even says like after like after that i actually became one of the the more unserious people on the set <laughs> um and his dear, he talks a lot about his dear friend Michael Dorn, um, so I'm excited to get further into that book. Anyway, um, after the unfair trial, our friends Kirk and McCoy are sentenced to, uh, oh my God, what's it called? Rurapente. Rurapente. Rurapente, the prison planet. Uh, and uh, Scotty's line is just is. Just, Better to kill him now and be done with it. Mm -hmm. I just went, mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> and, and Chekhov also says, also known as the alien's graveyard. Mm -hmm. Which is now, so funny because once we get there, I'm like, it's not, this is actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they tried to make it look bad. Uh, <laughs> but before we leave, let's talk about the courtroom scene. Gotta talk about the courtroom scene. I loved every moment of this. Christopher Plummer, great persecuting attorney. <laughs> yes. 
because he's there. He's he's and 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 I love the way that they transition because McCoy and Kirk are given translators because the Universal translators have been disabled. Correct. So they got these. You know, it looked like Beetlejuice walkie-talkies or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're holding them up, and that's where the translation comes in. And they let us know it's a translation because of a shot of uh, a Klingon translating to English from the Klingon. And, and, you know, they let you know that this is what's going on. And then there's a great dissolve from Christopher Plummer doing his, you know, prosecution speech to the Klingon. And then there's a change of shot, just ever so slightly... And suddenly he's Christopher Plummer with that wonderful, uh, sophisticated accent and, you know, menacing and presentation. and presentation, you know, and just, and he's just, he's devastating as a prosecutor. I, I mean, did General Chang go to law school? I guess he did. <laughs> Klingon law school or something. I mean, give, you know, if that man retired ever from the service, he could easily be a jag or something like that. I don't know. Or well, a cag. I don't know. <laughs> it was so in, it's so interesting to see this scene and and also the dinner scene earlier because our experience with klingons they've just been brutes right yeah. like i never expected this level of sophistication from mm -hmm. a klingon like it's so it feels out of left field almost but that's what makes this guy so dangerous is because mm -hmm. he'll lull you into thinking he's more sophisticated and you know maybe smarter than you you know but really he's a brute uh, he'll just kill mm -hmm. you you know he, and yeah. he will He'll just open fire. Boom. There you go. And conniving that, and smart. Mm. Just that part of his brain uh, has been a mm -hmm. little bit more developed. That's more dangerous than a brute, in my opinion. A brute, you know oh, what to do yeah. with. These kind of guys, that's that's where you got you to gotta be careful. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are also, I, I think it is during some part during this um, spot too, where we also see uh, Red Foreman Klingon. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Robocop, the Robocop bad guy, uh, as the Klingon, the President Klingon. Oh, he's uh, no, he's the President of the Federation of Planets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But we see it, George Washington Klingon, as I called him, um, and also <laughs> Sarek is also still kicking around, which is insane to me um <laughs> but uh so kirk and mccoy taken to this to this ice planet there's there's no guard towers there's no real system to keep don't them. need them because you don't need them the planet you'll nope. die within minutes yep. um and the only thing keeping you from beaming out is a magnetic sh magnetic shield um so they go underground where that's where they're mining is it dilithium that they're mining I'm not sure if it's what's what they're mining, I, I, as I recall. I, I I tried to pay attention, but and I completely forgot because it was a few weeks ago that I rewatched this. But uh, yeah, you just know that it's a mining colony. Let's call it's it a, a dilithium colony. mine. Sure, you know. It kind of seems like, as far as prisons go, the rules are pretty loose. Um, I there's a trope I love in movies, and it is when people are first introduced into a prison system and have to navigate a prison right mm -hmm. um like in black widow when we see david harbour in that prison i like oh, seeing yeah. like those types of relationships so immediately kirk is like confronted by this big and no universal translators because no universal translators in prison and so this big alien comes up and is trying to get him to <laughs> join his <laughs> his white power gang and <laughs> And a hot lady prisoner shows up and is like, yo, he wants you to join his gay or pledge, pledge fealty. And Kirk's like, yeah, man, whatever. And, you know, there's some tensions and, you know, 
it's it's there's a whole bunch of there's a just little interactions of kirk and mccoy trying to exist within this prison system mm-hmm. um there's also a fight that kirk of course gets into a fight with one of the biggest baddest guys there and kicks him in his knees to which and his reaction made me immediately go oh his balls are in his knees huh <laughs> and then the hot lady prisoner clarifies that yes not everybody has their genitals in the same spot kirk <laughs> so yes his balls were in his knees don't you hate it when your balls are in your well, knees let's talk for a moment about the vision the absolute angel that is mrs david bowie Iman. Is that oh that is Mrs. David Bowie, huh? That is Iman. Now I was lucky enough to see both of them in person when I was in London at a museum. Together? Could your eyes together? That's like that's like you know how that you can't is... look at biblically accurate angels directly? Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is exactly right. Because we're in this museum, I'm looking at some artwork and all that, and then a door opens where there wasn't a door that's how weird it was it was like a hidden door the door opens from behind and they come walking out and there's bowie in a in a suit looking just impeccable and iman right next to him you know got got her their arms are locked and they start walking toward me and it's like i couldn't uh, believe uh, like (laughs) oh my god it's i went in my head i'm saying that's fucking bowie what do I do? What do I do with my hands? What do I do? And that's, and that's Iman. And I realize I'm looking at Bowie and then I look at Iman and I'm like, my God, she might be the most beautiful woman on the planet, you know? And Seriously. you're just stunned. And, and, and they walk past me and I went, I gotta go tell somebody. And I went no running into the next room me. and, and Bill was in the next room and I said, Bowie and Iman, Bowie and Iman. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, we ran over. <laughs> Oh, they were man. gone and they were like you made that up i swear to you it was true oh anyway what an experience yeah no anyway. one would ever believe you but Amon, just absolutely beautiful and i don't know why she didn't do more movies i mean she did a few mm-hmm. i don't know why she didn't do more movies because she's a natural on screen she's just you know and and god you just can't take your eyes off of her yeah she's gorgeous <laughs> my god um and also conniving she mm-hmm. um while kirk and mccoy are having their sleepover conversation how many <laughs> times do you think kirk and mccoy have had just like sleepovers and like had their sleepover conversations and also extremely inconsiderate they are being so loud when everybody else is trying to sleep um kind of rude kind of rude but iman shows up and she's like hey i can get us out of here and and i have been waiting for an opportunity and you guys seem like the most likely candidates to like you guys are you guys are the best candidates that have appeared in weeks um so are you in or you're out and then she kisses kirk and mccoy this is not the first time mccoy has been on the top bunk while shatner's Mm -hmm. hooking up with someone right Mm -hmm. and he's like what is it with you (laughs) everywhere we go (laughs) (laughs) and so the uh the next day they head down into the mines um she and we learn she's a shapeshifter she can just change her appearance and that she is able to navigate her way because they don't let girls down in the mines only men which is a weird on certain missions Uh, yeah on certain certain missions. missions um now what's interesting about this is i is that this is not the same kind of changeling as there is in deep space nine these are not the founders 
the, these are these are different. Uh, it's a different creature. She, yeah, she, she calls herself a, like a chameleoid or something. Yeah, it something like chamele that. Chameleon combined with something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different race from the founders, uh, and she also admits later that uh, it takes a lot of effort, mm -hmm. and it makes her tired to change too much. Uh, yeah. So she anyway. changes into this big behemoth creature to get them down into the mines into this area where they need to go and then she transforms again into a little blonde girl uh to mm -hmm. one Just... get up to get out of the chains that they are in and mm -hmm. two to fit through this crawl space where they are climbing out onto the surface and then when they get to the surface she changes back into big behemoth um they get to a place where they can make camp again planet doesn't seem that dangerous if you can find a cave and just light a flare and call it good you know <laughs> um but it's during this interaction that um we learn she's a plant actually and she was put there by the klingons to hopefully kill kirk and mccoy mm -hmm. um killed while escaping how convenient but also again is this a ploy from big starfleet like to make sure Kirk because because if there's if there is one thing we know about Kirk he's gonna get out of a sticky situation he is and, gonna he is gonna escape a prison and, and the Klingons know that as mm -hmm. does big Starfleet <laughs> they all I know like it get big Starfleet <laughs> and they all set it in motion I mean maybe this is mm -hmm. the beginnings of section 31 who knows who but knows? Uh, but they all know it they all know they can count on Kirk to uh to to stir shit up and to mm -hmm and to do stuff like this. And they know that'll get him killed if he's killed while escaping. And so not only that, but um, our friend Iman, she transforms into Shatner. So we get another classic double Shatner. I love a good, <laughs> which one do I shoot? <laughs> and they, they get into a tussle and the Klingons, because they're in a spot where um, the Enterprise can find them. Because also during all of this, back on the Enterprise, they are conducting a search um, because they they know that the assassins that killed Chancellor Gorkon have to be on their ship somewhere, mm -hmm. and that's why they are delaying return going back to Starfleet. Starfleet, uh, Uhura even says Starfleet is like screaming for us or whatever, and. Spock is like, oh, we can't necessarily go back yet. And I love the interaction <laughs> he has with Scotty about um, how they need to delay going back and so they come up with the idea like oh the warp core the warp drives inoperative scotty how long uh, can you have that warp core online he says, oh it's online now it's ready to go no mr scott you don't understand how long <laughs> <laughs> oh well it could be weeks could be weeks we're out here i'm sorry i didn't i didn't understand you the first <laughs> i love God, I love Scotty so much. He's so cool. Um, and to which Valeris is like, a lie? <laughs> because Vulcans can't lie. And so Spock, of course, the king of loopholes, an error. An uh, error. <laughs> and, and when Kirk and Spock were separated, when our two lovers were separated, he slapped a, um, a patch on him on his back that would allow the Enterprise to be able to track them when mm -hmm. they got to a point where they could escape. So while Kirk and McCoy are in prison, there's a whole whodunit mystery happening on the Enterprise, and that a, is a search aboard. A try search to find aboard the, the Enterprise, and it, I loved, I loved that whole 
plot of the movie where they are thinking about okay well we know we're looking for these we're know we're looking for two assassins what specifically should we be looking for because right now we don't know and they come up with the solution gravity boots because they had gravity boots and then um Chekhov finds Klingon blood on the ship as well and so they're like awesome round up every single uniform we could possibly find um there is a great moment where you know they find a gravity boot in someone's locker and Chekhov is like okay have you heard of the old Russian epic Cinderella if the <laughs> shoe fits and then you know they they are talking to the person whose locker it is and he's like try on the boot bitch and drops the boot and everyone's like Chekhov oh my god because this person is an alien with these feet that absolutely could never fit in this boot and once again Chekhov looking like a fool I yeah. <laughs> that's why he's here it. he's here to be horny or stupid that's what he does oh, god bless him he's only thinking with one brain at a time you know <laughs> so um they they get a ping that Kirk and Kirk and McCoy are able to be beamed out so they're like okay we got to hustle we got to get to this place to save our friends and they are too slow uh it's because uh right around this time is when the Klingons also find them because our friend Iman set them up mm -hmm. um and so we've got two we've got two Kirks and you know which one do I shoot and she does this thing where her Kirk points at him but higher um because she didn't take into account because she's so used to being a certain size right so she pointed higher than where he actually was and kirk's like no it just points like direct like there's a whole thing about the angles of how they point that like see i thought that was to. a special i thought that was a special effects mistake i thought that was shatner pointing in the wrong place that he should have no, I, so I had read, I read, had read a bit of trivia that was like, if you not, like, if you notice, she points because she's so used to being at a different level or whatever. Okay, all right. But also, here's the thing with fandoms, they'll find a way to, to, to dismiss and wave away anything. Okay, I'm sticking by that was a mistake, <laughs> that that was Shatner pointing in the wrong direction, and he didn't want to do another take. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they vaporized the hell out of her. Yep. Um which i guess in the trailers leading up to this movie because it was pretty well known that this was going to be the like this is the end this is the last movie and mm -hmm. so the big idea is like well are they going to kill kirk in this one and they used that image of him getting vaporized in the trailer and so everyone was like oh my god they're going to kill captain kirk in this one twist nope just a classic twist. double kirk it's a twist um <laughs> but right right as the klingons are about to say well, since you're about to die anyway, we'll tell you who set this up. And as soon as they're about to say it, our friend Spock swoops in and beams them up. And Kirk is like, God damn it. <laughs> he was about to spill the whole plan like a Bond you, villain. You couldn't have waited two <laughs> seconds. And if I was Spock, I would have been like, a thank you would be nice. We're only out here risking our asses trying to save you. Yep. But whatever. Um Let's see what ha let's see what happens after that. Um, they during the the B plot of the movie where they are trying to find the assassins aboard the Enterprise. Um, they learn that the torpedoes were not fired by the Enterprise. Those initial torpedoes that hit that bird of prey, um, but they were fired by a cloaked Klingon warship. And this is a huge leap forward in technology because ships can't fire when cloaked but if we now have a klingon ship that can fire while cloaked 
Uh oh. Game changer. Game changer. Because anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Um. So, I am. I didn't quite understand how. Uh, they've they figured this out that Spock figured out that Valeris was the the assassin, like the person behind all of this. Well, um, it was it was Kirk and Spock. They uh, they were they were talking about the cir the circumstances and the situation, and they realized that uh, if the people behind this plot thought we've caught the people, we know who they are because they did find out. They found Scotty found their uniforms was able to identify them but found them dead were they dead or were they unconscious they were dead and oh, so no. they said well Just what if awesome. what if we let make the assassins think that they were unsuccessful that they mm -hmm. managed to survive then mm -hmm. that means they're gonna have to come and finish the job and when they come to finish the job that's when we'll get them gotcha okay Okay, yeah. this all makes yeah, this all makes sense. So, so they're in the sick bay, and Valeris mm -hmm. shows up, and he's like, and, "Gotcha!" Yeah. And the way they killed him was a stun phaser right to the head, because a full shot phaser sets off an alarm, but right. a, a phaser on stun does not. So, if you do it right on someone's head, it'll kill them, and then there's I, no trace. I do, I do like this movie that there's really there's no really any loose ends. Like everything is pretty pretty well explained. Um, you know, so now we have a, a a grand interrogation scene where we you know they take her to the bridge and they're like, "Valeris, what the hell?" And she is just like, "I I told you, I I told you the Federation, I I brought up my concerns and you dismissed them." And so Spock does a mind meld with her to get more details, where now we this, learn. Yeah, now this mind meld, kind of controversial. Oh really? In the fandom, yes, because. It's it's been equated to an assault. I can so here's the thing. I did have that thought. This is a mm -hmm. very this is because she's you know refusing to speak, and Spock is like, fine, takes off his rogue gloves, right, and mm -hmm. just goes for the mind meld. And I'm like, oh, she didn't really consent to that. She is did that, not consent. Is that something that Vulcans can do? Can they mind meld without consent? They can, and, they're, but they're not supposed to. And it's been brought up in other Star Trek lore about, uh, you know, how it's it has to be voluntary or, you know, otherwise it could be invasive, you know, a, mm -hmm. an invasion of privacy. And we're very protective of that. So you can imagine this is this was like a physical assault. Mm -hmm. So once again, um, there's a human that's teamed up with uh, uh, Admiral. Oh, my God. Which Admiral was it? I cannot remember. Admiral Cartwright. Admiral Cartwright, um, General Chang, the uh, Romulan ambassador, and a, and a Romulan ambassador. Yep, and they're all and, behind it. Which once again, Klingons, Romulans, humans, always trying to derail stuff, right? Because yep. like, as we saw in the last movie too, <laughs> they were trying to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there, this is also at the same time, you know, they're having the peace conference to determine to settle this once and for all mm -hmm. and so you know they're like we've got to get to that peace conference like shit's gonna go down and um they've also got the excelsior on board and so they're both just uh hurrying 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 to the peace conference and um john wilkes booth klingon is up you know trying to <laughs> trying <laughs> setting up shop trying to assassinate the, pre the pre president of the federation um and uh the enterprise crew once again beams in 
causes a ruckus, saves the day. Um, but also at the same time, fight, fighting the bird of prey that's cloaked that has General Chang on it, because um, General Chang is trying to stop them and um, using some clever tactical maneuvers, they are able to determine where they are, fire at them. Captain Sulu says fire on that explosion. Mm -hmm. That Klingon bird of prey, oh, the biggest explosion of any bird of prey. The same explosion that was used in previous movies. Oh, God damn it. Sorry. Same <laughs> which, one, same, same angle and everything. Is, this is a new bird of prey too. Like this is a very fancy looking bird of prey. It's um, the same bird of prey. And, and it's also <laughs> in this scene too, Christopher Plummer, I kind of feel like he's just pulling Shakespeare quotes out of a hat just to like prove he knows a lot of Shakespeare quotes. And it was at this point in the movie, I was like, no, this is, this is too much Shakespeare. I'll say it. I like well, Shakespeare in my Star Trek, but this is too much Shakespeare. I, I keep getting told to stop quoting Hunter Thompson. So I know that it's the same thing. It's, <laughs> How often know, are you quoting Hunter Thompson? <laughs> I could every day. <laughs> mm, interesting. Anyway. Uh, um, well, but it's it's a great scene because uh, they figure out that even though he's cloaked and we can't see him and he can fire when cloaked, he still has a tailpipe. He's <laughs> you know he you know it's mm -hmm. it's it's gas or exhaust or whatever it is. We just got to track onto that. And so mm -hmm. McCoy and 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 Spock team up and they do a operation on a on a photon torpedo oh and mccoy says fascinating that gave yeah. me a little chuckle <laughs> <laughs> and they figure it out and the to photon torpedo is a homing device and it lands right right up christopher right up chang's you know <laughs> well, and, and i love and the, i love the way he does it because you can see in his one eye that's how badass that guy is his eye patch is bolted it's onto drilled his into his skull but it just, you could see with his face, you know, he's like, oh, I'm fucked. Because <laughs> as, as the torpedo comes around, he's like, he realizes. with to be or not to be. And him just standing, like quote. just standing on the bridge and then looks to the right and boom, he knows yeah. he's gone. It's a great, it's a great death scene, but I, I was like, man, this is too, too much Shakespeare. And even McCoy, I'd give real money if he'd shut up. And I was like, thank you, McCoy. We're on the same page. Um, but you know, they, they bust into the peace conference, cause a big ruckus as they are known to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Kirk, Kirk gets his one, his one great bodyguard because he's he run into president red Foreman, leaps and knocks him out of the way as the lasers come in just classic it was a classic shatner i thought it was yes. a, a very a very classic final save um kirk gives a big speech and the day is saved with big speech you know um <laughs> and peace peace amongst worlds and it's and a that. speech it's a speech about how we've got to in our minds we've got to evolve we got to get over shit mm -hmm. we got to move forward you know says the name of the movie about how the future is the undiscovered country and uh, there was a point about halfway through the movie i was like jesus when do they find this undiscovered country that they <laughs> this movie was telling me that we would find yep. and then i and truthfully when i found out that that's what the undiscovered country was i i did do a okay i guess that's pretty good <laughs> Because I don't All know if you remember, right. I made a big hubbub about the Final Frontier, and I was like, "How can you have something else after the Final Frontier? You cannot have something else after the Final Frontier." I guess you can, 
yes. proves me proves me wrong. <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised once again by a Star Trek movie. Star Trek will do that. Yep. And then um, you know, they get the they get back aboard the Enterprise and they're like, okay, we have to go back to Starfleet now. One last ride. Mm-hmm. One last ride. And then that's when I, in my mind, um, I want to make this video. I want to make a mashup of them doing their one last ride to this song from Furious 7. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a long time without you, my friend. I want to make that mashup. Um, uh, but, but the way this movie ends is with the autographs of each actor on the they screen. They did it before the Avengers. <laughs> well, the Avengers paid homage to yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, let's do And I remember sitting in the theater, I think it was sitting next to Jay. Uh, who was I sitting next to at, 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 at Aven- Avengers Endgame when the, when the credits rolled and they did the signatures? I went, they're doing a Star Trek six. Did you everybody, do the Leonardo they're DiCaprio? A, they're doing they're, the thing. <laughs> they're doing a Star Trek six. And everybody's looking at me like, a what? <laughs> What are you saying? I'm like, it's a Star Trek. Oh, sh- <laughs> was it their actual signatures though? Because I, yeah. I, I mean, I have a habit of paying attention to fonts, um, and it <laughs> looked like the same font for every. But I it mean, was, I don't, it was their, it was their autographs. Their own. Um, anyway. But that's that's Star Trek the original series. That that's that's all of them. That's our friends, their last mission. I know we're going to see them again. <laughs> but like, I, we're, these, this is goodbye to our friends. It's been a long time without you, my friend. Yes. And I'll uh, speak, about it. Speaking of our friends, here's, here's a little something for you. A little Uhura. A little Lieutenant Uhura mini-mates. And here's a nurse chapel. A nurse chapel. God, a nurse I love chapel, chapel. mini maid. And then we've got, there are larger versions of these, but uh, do you recognize this handsome fellow? Oh, is that my friend Khan? That's young Khan in his red, <laughs> uh, red outfit there. I cannot believe I recognized him. <laughs> yes. And uh, one of my favorites, mini Gorn. A He's so Gorn. adorable. I- Every time I see a Gorn in that outfit, <laughs> I think he's wearing an apron. So I always feel like I'm seeing a meme of him in a kitchen or something. <laughs> it's Gorn's grocery games. <laughs> All right. um, let's anyway. uh, let's talk about a little bit of trivia of this movie because we cannot Please. escape little bits of trivia. Okay. Um, there, there's a. In the scene where Kirk and Spock before before their big dinner with the Klingons and they're talking about the Klingons, um, Kirk says this line, "Let them die," during them during the scene. Mm-hmm. And Shatner was pissed at Nicholas Meyer because uh, Shatner wanted to say the line and then gesture as if he didn't mean to say that. And he made Nicholas Meyer promise that they would show that on camera. And then in the final cut, they don't do that because no. it says Kirk says, let them die and cuts to Spock looking surprised. And then yeah. it cuts back to Kirk um, and they cut out the gesture. And so uh, Shatner pissed about coming across like a racist asshole who just wants Klingons to die. It it needed to happen for his arc. 
to come around from the beginning where he says, uh, I've, you know, I've never liked Klingons. I never will. I'll never forgive them for the death of my son. You have to go from there to speech at the end mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm old and, and, you know, it might be tough for me to change, but I know I need to have to, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a but great I'll... little talk in, in Spock's quarters about just that. And also, yeah. I love that, you know, Valeris was able to use Kirk's personal log against him because she was she was there. Standing and right there. Yep. I love <laughs> I love that he was like, you could have knocked. And she's like, you were in the middle of monologuing. What was I supposed <laughs> to do? That's true. That's true. Um, the, the, the dinner scene, um, Chekhov drops this line, guess who's coming to dinner? And I was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Nichelle Nichols was originally supposed to speak that line. And uh, she found it extremely offensive because if you uh, are aware of the movie, guess who's coming to dinner? Mm -hmm. um, She 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 just found it offensive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so the line was then given to Chekhov. also, Nichelle, Nich- the scene where they are going to the prison planet to save our friends, and there's Klingon listening posts to see you know who's coming. Oh and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they need to communicate with them, so they are digging through all of these Klingon translation books. I found fa- I noted this, and I was like, "This is absurd that Uhura does not speak Klingon. Uhura speaks." A bajillion different languages. Mm-hmm. How does she not speak Klingon? Which is why JJ fixed that in his movies. So, she, so Nichelle Nichols objected to the scene um, because she, it seemed more logical to her that Uhura, being the chief, the ship's chief communications officer, would know the language of the Federation's main enemy, or at least have the appropriate information in the computer. Um, mm-hmm. But Nicholas Meyer bluntly overruled her, and then later in two thousand nine, JJ Abrams fixed that. Yes, which and and there's a continuity. There's a continuity problem in this, in that uh, the Klingon is pronouncing, you know, over. The Klingon word is Ren. And Uhura is saying it wrong when she replies to him, Reen? Mm. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's for comedic <laughs> effect. I don't think it is. I think it's a continuity error in that somebody did not say, no, this is how you pronounce it. Mm. Oh, no, wait, you're supposed to pronounce it this way. So both of you need to pronounce it the same way. It was a continuity thing. It was, too, it was like, you know, two different, you know, productions or something. Hmm. Um, Kim Cattrall designed her own hairstyle for this movie. Uh, she came up with the idea to completely shave off the sideburns in order to more prominently show off her Vulcan ears. Oh, that's a choice. I like that. Yeah. I, for When she first showed up, I was like, oh, I don't like this. But then <laughs> the more she was on screen, I was like, I actually really like her look. I think she wears it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the name Gorkon is a blending of the last names of Mikhail Gorbachev and Le- Abraham Lincoln two of Nicholas Meyer's models for the character of the Klingon Chancellor. Okay. Whatever. And then mm, my favorite moment of this movie, jump scare Christian Slater, the casting director for this movie, was Mary Jo Slater, mother of Christian Slater. Thus his small role as a communications officer officer aboard the Excelsior um, because she knew he was a huge fan of Star Trek. Christian Slater even framed his $750 paycheck for his walk-on role, which today, or in 2001 at least, equals about $1,452.41. And it was so clearly him. You know, even, even <laughs> he though he was, up, he literally showed up and I was like, that jump scare. Even Christian though he was Slater. in, even though he was in shadow, we all knew because, you we, know, because he was, features a, are so sharp. 
Well, like, he was only a, he Christian was a huge, Slater can be that sharp. He was a big star in those days. And, and you know, and he's got that distinct Nicholson-like delivery that he has. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Captain Shulu, it's, it's out that way. It's the Enterprise. Uh, they want you know, Starfleet. And yes. And he was so perfectly Starfleet because he goes to Captain Sulu and he's like, do you know anything about the location of the Enterprise? And Sulu knows the location of the Enterprise. Of course he does. And so Sulu goes, nope. And Christian Slater's like, are you sure? <laughs> huh? Okay. And like, and Sulu it was just, snaps back, man. Yeah. It was so Starfleet and I respected the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's Star Trek six. What do we think? Best movie ever? I out of the six, I it's it's my favorite with four with a close behind, you know, very close behind. This I one, really like six. Ah, uh, it's one I think this one's one of my least favorites. Really? Like, like listen, I enjoyed it. Was it a Star Trek movie? Then I enjoyed it. But okay. if uh, I I hate ranking things anyway. But, um but I yeah. think personally I think Wrath of Khan is probably my favorite. Mm. I really, I really, really, I th- but it's Ricardo Montalban. I think it's him. I just really like Khan. Um, but yeah, this is, this is probably lower on my list, honestly. Mm. See, and for me, it's, it, they're all very close. Like, you know, mm. a, fro- a frog's hairs separating them, you know? Mm. So for me, it's, it's six. And then it's a toss up between Khan and uh, Voyage Home. Yeah, it, it just depends on my mood, you know, uh, that changes that second place position changes all the time. Yeah. And it's so funny, too. I don't want Voyage Home to be as high up on the list for me as it is, but kind of <laughs> just kind of can't get over it. It's so it was memorable. En- it was enjoyable. It was yeah, memorable. Yeah, it is so memorable. Uh, but yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I love courtroom Star Trek. I love when Star Trek is more thinky than punchy. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah this is what if it just this one ended and i was like i'm glad it's over honestly (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna miss my friends i'm really going to miss my original series friends it is going to be kind of a culture shock to jump into next generation yes it it has been because i've 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 been trying to jump into it i'm i'm -hmm. i'm about four or five episodes in now and it is, it's culture shock in a way. Yes, it's Star Trek. It's got all the familiar tropes. But it's not our friends. It's, it's not, it's not, yeah. exactly. I'm still, I've got a problem with Riker. I always have, and I can't what? explain it. I know, he's your favorite. I've always had a problem with Riker, and I can't explain why I have a problem with Riker, but I do. <laughs> okay, new mission. Try to get Carrie on Team Riker. Is it because he just wants to bang everything? <laughs> I don't know. I just I I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I've I've never hmm. cared for Riker. I, I know well, that's blasphemy in the Star Trek it's okay. world. But... It's okay. You don't have to like not everybody has to like everybody. Yeah. But yeah, i I even though I have watched already the first season and a half of next gen i'm kind of nervous to leave our old friends behind and embark on a new journey well we have to we have yeah. to. our voyage through the stars um, so so that means this next episode is going to be what the first five episodes of first next five gen? episodes of the next generation our introduction to q mm. uh, wow wow yeah wow right. wow 
Well, thank you to our friends aboard the USS Enterprise for getting us this far. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Carrie, for introducing me to my new friends, my new three dads. Um, <laughs> I'll miss them. But uh, it is time to move forward <laughs> with your little that is mini ac- mate, Kirk. That is action to pay, Kirk. <laughs> I think his hair comes off. Oh, it's on there so good it's not coming off. <laughs> action to pay, Kirk. But uh, join us next week as we voyage where no man has gone before, but a lot of people have gone before. Thanks, everyone.